Hello and welcome to an early edition of the Fins Up podcast. I am your host, Mortz, and I am joined by the absolutely adorable uh, Twitter warrior, keyboard warriors we've been called the last couple of days, and uh, today key members of the Chad Townsend fan club. That is uh, Southern Dan. How you doing, buddy? Mate, thanks so much for the fantastic introduction. Um, fuck you. Um, hey, look, we'll... Hey. It wasn't me that called you that, it was Dean. He said that we're both members of the uh, Townsend fan club today. I, I know, I didn't get where that came from, because I actually know Dean from a long, long time ago, and I'm 98% sure you guys have met, so <laughs> I don't know, what's going on oh, there? I would have no clue who he is, that guy just like really annoys me, but um, Dan, we are doing uh, the weekly review a night earlier, because we have an incredible uh, guest for tomorrow night's podcast. Very special guest, mate. I'll uh, we'll be uh, announcing it on Twitter either tonight or tomorrow morning, trying to get some questions that we'll largely ignore because we are super good at this, at hosting. Um, I'm really yeah. excited, mate. I'm, I'm feeling real good about this. Yeah, I'm going to say that he is probably up there with the best guest that, that we've had. Like, obviously, Toby Rudolph is unbelievable. And, you know, we've had Gaz and... The, you know, the the marketing person from, uh, oh, sorry, the social media educator from, from Facebook and Twitter, but this guy coming on is, like, pretty big. It's, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm impressed that you've landed this one, Dan. This is a big fish. Mate, thanks so much. I'm, I'm really excited, but uh, I'm, I'm feeling good. I finally uh, finally asked him over the weekend after a, um, after a victory, so life's good at the moment. I won't lie to you. So did you ask him out, and then you asked him on the podcast, or did you go the other way? Um, we'll find out tomorrow, mate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, move into the week that was the Newcastle Knights twenty seven, the Broncos six. Dan, I'll pass this one over to you. What were your thoughts on this game? My thoughts are: I know it's only the Broncos, but I thought the Knights were pretty outstanding, and I'm starting to believe that perhaps, maybe, just possibly, they might be the real deal this year. See, I. I know Brisbane were really bad, but I thought Newcastle were very wasteful. And I, I, you know, we follow a couple of, or I follow a couple of Knights fans, and in particular, um, K-Dog, our boy who, who was on here a, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, even he said that it wasn't Newcastle's best game, but they still did what they needed to do. Um, I thought there were some absolutely outstanding performances from the Knights, though, uh, none better than Daniel Saifidi. He was... Absolutely incredible. He's just he, he's taking his origin form and, and kicked it up again. Mate, he's an absolute machine. He's the name I've got highlighted here too. He and Clemmer are forming one ferocious middle. And I um I, I actually think, you know, I don't like wishing injuries on players, but I think they're a much better side with McCulloch at nine than they were with Braley early on. Yeah, definitely. And and uh McCulloch's service was really good, um, especially to Xavier Coates. Yeah, that was one, one pass, one try assist. I actually, I actually had him as my VC for Supercoach. I thought he'd have a bit of a, um, a revenge game. And he did have two last passes, but they were literal passes, and then the guys would make 15 tackle breaks and score. So unfortunately, no try assist. But, uh, mate, Kurt Mann, I've got to say, I wasn't real high on him coming into the season, but he's made that number six his own and arguably been their best half for the last fortnight and a bit. Yeah, look, I'll I tell you what, and... and... It's just an easy comparison to make, but in in two thousand and one, if you if you dig, dig deep and you do some research into that Knights team, people turned around and said that the biggest like the, the weakest link that Newcastle had in that team was their number six, and it was Sean Rudder that year. And this year as well, there's some question marks over that number six jersey. 
Um, Kurt Mann's doing everything right. I know they, they started with Connor Watson um, and, you know, they thought Kurt Mann could be the perfect utility and, and he is because he can play hooker, he can play anywhere in the halves and you could chuck him in the back row if you wanted to. But, yeah, I mean, even just that, that deft little kick that he put in for um, the winger, geez, I can't remember his name, uh, Heimel Hunt to score. Um, you know, that's that, that's a skill that, you know, only only halves possess. So I, I, I was a bit worried about Newcastle just for who was going to partner Mitchell Pearce. But yeah, Kurtman's really, really stepped up. You know, he ran that beautiful line, and as we said, he got the try assist. Mate, he's been good. I think Tim Glasby's been an absolute revelation this year. Yeah. And Edric Lee yeah. may be the most entertaining player in the game right now. For good, bad, or indifferent, doesn't matter. Yeah, something's always going to, you know, if you just put a kick near Edric and something's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. You don't know what, but it's going to happen. Yeah, I would literally pay $50 a week just to watch Mitchell Pearce put bombs up to Edric Lee or the opposition to put up bombs to Edric Lee. Because you're going to get a 90-meter try, a penalty, a penalty off a 90-meter try, something. Something's going to happen around Edric. He is that good. I swear blind that guy's got minimal control over his limbs because they go everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's so lanky. Um, let's, let's talk about the Broncos, though. It was really bad for them. They had one line break all night, and that was... The intercept past Xavier Coates. That's it. Uh, look, I, I think it's time to make a big decision on Darius Boyd. I think he's done. I think Milford needs a spell. He has done nothing since the resumption. He was arguably the form player competition over the first two weeks, and that seems all it is, but it seems like a long, long time ago. I'd be I'd be shocked if he was named tomorrow. I, I know he's going to be, and that sounds stupid, but you've got to do something with him. Well, I saw tonight... And, and Mitch, uh, uh, Mitch Doyle's in meltdown at the moment because there is a scapegoat that is coming from the Broncos, and it's not Darius Boyd and it's not Anthony Milford. It's the number one, isn't it, Jermaine Asako? It, it, it's Jermaine Asako, and apparently he will be granted a release from the Broncos if he can find another team. Would you be putting your hand up? Uh, I would have put my hand up pre Nana McDonald. Um, I don't think I would. Now, um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it probably probably stroll into the Cowboys. Um, the the Bulldogs could definitely use him on the wing. Um, I don't think he'll get a fullback gig. He's not he's not the best fullback, but he won Rookie of the Year on the wing. Let's not forget that. Absolutely, mate. Oh, I think he'll make the short trip down the uh, down the road to the Titans and be on the wing by the weekend. To be honest, yeah, maybe even in the centres as well, but. I just, I, I, think putting him at fullback was not real good. Um, he's, he's not a ball player. He's not creative. He's a runner, and that's not what Brisbane need. Brisbane need points, and they're not scoring enough of them. Um, this is the fourth game in a row where they haven't scored a second half point. They haven't scored a point in the second half since the resumption of the competition, and that I think this is something like um, eight halves of football this year that they haven't scored a try in or scored a point in. Um, it's yeah, it's the numbers aren't looking good, and you've got to you've got to start pointing fingers in all directions. Their recruitment and retention is not real good. I don't know about Anthony Seabold and his six year deal, but something stinks up there. It does. I still don't think he's got Payne Haas used right. The guy does big no. big meters, but no impact. Um, the other one, TPJ Pangai Junior came back and had one of the worst games I've ever seen from a player of his quality. 
he, he had six weeks or something suspended that he had to sit there and chomp at the bit to get out there, and he produced that. Oh, I, was, I was pretty pretty disappointed. I was yeah, quite a big fan of his. He, um, he, he spends too much time trying to put the big play on and trying to hurt someone, and he really just he hurts himself and he lets his team down. And the other thing as well is he put... You know, he put that shot on Clemmer, and then he, he, he tried being the tough man. He didn't take the hard runs, and that's that's disappointing. Like, you have a look on the weekend. You know, I'll, I'll give you a classic example. I despise even saying the name Joseph Tarpanate. But when he grubs someone up, he will take the next run. But TPJ grubbed it up, did what he had to do, hit people high, and wouldn't take the next run. I was really disappointed in his return as well. Absolutely. I, I think the Broncos are in all sorts. They're, they're, for me, the worst team in the competition at the moment by a long way. And that's including the Titans. I think the Titans have beat them. Yeah, look, I mean, they play each other this weekend. But I, I think in terms of rosters, they are the worst team in the competition. Like, obviously, the Titans are just absolute bulk. But the amount of quality that's in that Broncos side, they should be comfortably in the top eight, not... 14th or yeah they're sitting 14th at the moment absolutely says it all that team on paper i mean that forward pack alone you throw in milford you throw in azarko who was brilliant last year they're just i mean i don't know what's going on up there but they they got absolutely smashed in this game and i don't think it surprised many people no i mean i i, I comfortably tip the knights 13 plus um and and on the uh, on the tipping comp at work i actually tipped you know, the footy tips, I, I tipped the Knights by 20 and fucking Pierce had to kick field goal, didn't he? <laughs> he did. Well, that's all we get yeah. for bagging Pierce, so they're cool. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. South 40, the Warriors 12. Um, the scoreline flooded South a bit because the Warriors bombed five tries, but in the end, that's just what bad teams do. It is. I thought South were by far the better team, as the scoreline suggests. Oh, yeah. But in saying yeah, that, yeah. 40 to 12 certainly doesn't. Doesn't give the full reflection of the game. Uh, mate, this bunny side's no. a completely different side with Cody Walker back there. Yeah, I've, I've got that down there. Cody Cody Walker, he was excellent despite his him being. He was easily the best player on the field for the 70 minutes he was there. They are completely different. And that link, that connection that he had with Latrell Mitchell, it was like they played five seasons together. That's it. Latrell looks really good the last couple of weeks. I think he's gone away and really worked on some things. And his, his yep. uh, right-to-left passing is just it's sublime. That ball where he cut out about 15 players. Whew. Yeah. Two weeks in a uh, row. And, and for, for, for how bad Latrell Mitchell started the competition, because he did start really bad. He wasn't good against us. Um, and he, he, he was shocking in a couple of, of games. He's second in the league in tricis. That's incredible. It, it shows you you yep. don't have to be in red-hot form to lay in tricis. But when you when you look at the points, mate, try this is super important. I think Terry's just dropped out here, so I'll just keep just talking. On. Are you there, Dan? Yep, can you hear clearly, mate? Perfect. Um, just on Latrell Mitchell, obviously full time we saw him in tears. What was your take on the constant questioning to Wayne Bennett and then Corey Parker saying, Well, the fans have the right to know? I didn't see it live. I had to go back and watch it, so I was already annoyed about it. Um, I don't want to say I don't care why he's crying. Obviously, I'm a bit curious. But if he doesn't want to tell me, I don't need to know. And I think to badger them, mate, he might have stepped on a bee. He might have lost someone during the week. He might have picked black instead of red. 
it's not it's not for us to know. The cameras in there's a necessary evil with the broadcast deal. I get that, but if he doesn't want to say and Bennett doesn't want to say, what fucking right does Corey Parker have to badge him? Well, did did you watch the Wayne Bennett press conference? I didn't know. The opening minute and fourteen of that press conference was Hannah Hollis asking why Latrell Mitchell was crying, and he was like, "I'm not going to tell you. It's got nothing to do with you." And she asked, "But the fans want to know." And he he's like, "Well, it's to do with the fans either." And she's like, "Yeah, but the fans are going to ask questions." And he said, "Well, it's none of their business." And she said, "But but we want to know." And he said, "Well, it's none of your business. I'm not going to tell you. Can you ask another question?" Then another journalist popped up and said. Well, what, what's happening with Latrell? And he said, well, he, Wayne Bennett literally turned to that journalist and said, I've just spent a minute telling her I'm not going to tell you. Ask me a different question or I'm going to walk out. Fair enough. Uh, like, he's, a, he's under... He, he has to be there and he has to answer like honest and fair questions. And I don't think that's a fair question, to be honest. It had nothing to do with the game. No, Ab- absolutely nothing to do with the game. Like, why... Why sit there? And, and those press conferences, you've got about ten minutes. Like that—that's not important. That, like that—that's not the issue. The issues that that happened for South were, you know, leaking easy line breaks, potentially conceding seven tries, um, Cody Walker being sin, getting sin bin deal, discipline of the Rabbitohs. They're the questions that you need to ask. Then Wayne, let Wayne Bennett and Latrell address that during the week if they want to. Yep, absolutely agreed. I got to say though. And, Oh, no, you, you feel like mine's a different point. Go on, mate. Yeah, and just, just the last thing I want to say, like Corey Parker saying that, you know, we as, we as fans of the NRL have the right to know. Well, no, we fucking don't. We don't have the right to know what's going on whatsoever with that. Talk about the guy's incredible form that he's in at the moment. Talk about this transition that he's making from centre to fullback. Talk about how he's turned his form from, you know, looking like he was going to be dropped or moved to being, you know, up there in the breath of the, the top-tier fullbacks and players in the competition again. Don't ask why he was crying. It's it's no one's fucking business. Couldn't agree. He might have, he might, Couldn't agree more. Literally, he might have walked off the field and thought, I had a really bad game despite getting three choices. Like, fuck, who the, who the fuck cares? Exactly right. It's not important. But speaking of um, top-quality fullbacks, Roger Tuovasa-Shek, I don't know what's going on over there. I know last year he was absolutely incredible and he's a Dalian winner, but... I, look, I didn't see the first half of this game. I only caught it, caught the highlights, and then watched the full second half. He he just doesn't look like the same player as last year. He's still getting the run meters, nowhere near in the in the league of last year and the year before. But he just he just doesn't seem to be linking with Green and, and Nikarima. I just I feel like he's a step off the pace. And for RTS, that's that's not usual. No, this this is this is the the thing that you're going to get with the Warriors all year. They're going to turn up for games and they're going to win games. Obviously, they've beaten the Dragons um, and they, they beat the Cowboys last week. But then you're going to get the games where they look like they just don't want to be there because they look like they didn't want to be there on the weekend. They look like they want to be back home in New Zealand. They look like they were missing their family. Um, yeah, that was just... It was an off performance from the Warriors, but, as you know, a different night with a little bit of luck. They, they scored, you know, an extra two or three more tries and they make a game of it, but... You're right on Roger Tuivasa-Sheks. There was there was a question asked during the week of who are the top five players in the NRL at the moment, and I couldn't believe people putting Roger Tuivasa-Sheks in that conversation because I don't even have him in the top ten at the moment. He's he's not playing he's not playing good football. He hasn't been the Warriors' best. Cody Nickerim has been the Warriors' best. Yeah, he's not in the top twenty-five right now. Overall, quite yeah. comfortably, but not at the moment. No, he's 
yeah. he's in some I wouldn't say awful form, but he's just not. He's just not put putting in is probably the wrong words. He's just not performing. I, I don't get it. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating. I'm a huge fan of his, and I, yeah. I want to see him go off. Yeah, and it's you know it's it's at that he's probably at that that point in his career now as well as is he going to stay at the Warriors or is he going to come back to Sydney and try and chase a premiership because he's not going to get by the Warriors in the next you know three to five years so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how how this plays on you know when the NRL gets back to the norm what's going to happen with Roger Tuivasa-Sheck but he, he really needs he, for for the Warriors to be competitive he needs to be good and he's not good at the moment. Agreed. Uh, moving on, Penrith 21, the Storm 14. I actually didn't watch this game. I was listening to it on the radio. We were driving out to my mum's house, a nice six-hour drive on uh, Friday night. But um, everything that, that I heard was just Penrith just muscled up and, and gave the Storm a, uh, a, a really good game of football. Absolutely. Uh, Nathan Cleary has come back a man possessed from his TikTok break. Uh, he's one of the, the form players, one of the form halves. Yeah. He massively outplayed Munster, and that's that's no mean feat. They kept Pappenhausen relatively quiet. Your favourite player in the world, Isaiah Yo, had an absolute beauty. Josh Mansour is near impossible to tackle right now, and that Brian Toto can jump over buildings. I swear he's Superman. Yeah, um, just just with Nathan Cleary, it just shows how nice it is to have a number seven with a kicking game. Oh, tell me about because, it. Because because you know Cleary's influence on that game was not that of, like, an Andrew Johns-style halfback. His influence was exactly what happened to us the previous week. Kick to the corners, good kick chase. Obviously, he, you know, he put that bomb up for um, kick out for the match-winning play. He kicked that 40-metre field goal under pressure as well. It was, you know, a nice way to cap the game off. Um, I like what you said about Mansour and, and Toto. They're not the biggest players in the world, but they're making huge metres. They, you're right, they, they can't be tackled. Um, I thought the big difference for Penrith from the last couple of weeks was Dylan Edwards coming back, and he came back in really good form. He did. I, I love Dylan Edwards. I uh, I love the way he just – he's a wiry little bloke. He's, he's you know, I, not Billy Slater-like, but he just he reminds me of the way Billy Slater just schemes across and look, yep. looks for gaps. But, mate, for me, James Fisher-Harris right now is Unbelievable. elite. He bashed that Storm pack. And this isn't a bum Storm pack. This is one of the best forward packs in the game. Like, I just, I was stoked because, you know, you and I hate Penrith. But uh, right now, I'm enjoying watching them because they just play some entertaining bash and crash footy. Yeah, I've, I've got on here James Fisher-Harris. Um, absolutely unbelievable. For mine, he's, he's the form forward of the competition. I know uh, somehow James... Uh, sorry, Jason Tomalolo is on top of the Daily M's at the moment. I cannot believe that for a second. Um, Fisher Harris is a fu- he's a fucking man possessed. And if, if I was going to give a million dollars to another forward in the competition at the moment, it's him. Yeah, absolutely. He does not like to be tackled. The way uh, he was throwing Storm defenders off the other night was something fun to watch. And and he plays a classic game of kill the deal with the pill. Like <laughs> whoever's got the ball. If, he, if his eyes lock with you, you're fucked. Yeah. He's, he's put the shot on. Get out of the way. Um, this is a fun I, I, game. I, I watched the game in the in the second half. I watched the game, sorry, on Saturday um, on Fox Sports with the replay. So you only get that condensed hour version. So I, I did miss some stuff in there. Ironically, that was probably the time when uh, Isaiah Yeo uh, decided to have a run because I didn't see much of him again. I know his stats looked all right, but, yeah, I, 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 I honestly didn't see him. Um, <laughs> 
the highlight for me still is Viliami Kikau's hair. <laughs> so, mate, you t- you tell him it's no good. I dare you. Like that bloke no. is an absolute machine. And when that ball went up, I was um, I had a few beers, so I was talking to myself, of course. And I was like, he's going to get that because I got him in my fantasy side. And sure enough, virtually untouched. And I don't blame him because I wouldn't go up there either. I was going to say, you saw Pappenhausen sprinting across the field and then he saw Kikau coming. Pappenhausen was like, oh, fuck that. Let's try and get that try back. <laughs> Dug a hole, mate. It was, uh, this was fun. And yeah. I've been... I said the Panthers had some soft wins early on, but I'm, I I reckon they're a genuine top four threat now. And to beat the Storm in this kind of game, this wasn't a 41-40 game. This is a game they dominated pretty much most of the game. Huge message. Yeah. I, I, and I know you said that the, they kept Munster relatively quiet, but for mine, Munster was the Storm's best player. He, he kept them in that game. Um, I thought when, you know, listening to it on the radio, when Melbourne kicked that penalty to, to make it 14-all, it just felt like, you know, even in the car, you could just feel that the game was turning. Melbourne turned that wheel. They were about to, you know, score another try, score another two tries or whatever. Um, I don't I, Yeah, for mine, though, I think there's been a bit of a letdown um, in the Storm backline. I think they really need to focus some recruitment on getting some good players down there because their backline's just not firing in the way that a Storm backline fires. You're right. They miss Will Chambers, and not last year's Will Chambers, the Will Chambers of, of old. He's the bloke that would be up in your face doing all sorts of shit. They definitely miss that. I, I quite like that Olam, but he j- is not in the same class. Uh, they obviously missed Addo Carr, but I, I think Vunavalu has been arguably the most disappointing player across the, the opening few rounds. I expected him to light it up before going off the rugby for a payday, but so far it hasn't really happened. Yeah, he scores his try every now and then, but yeah, you're right. He, when he gets involved in the game, he's really good. But yeah, I, I don't know. He's he's a. I, I don't know what Melbourne are going to do because you know, as we said every year, it feels like Melbourne are coming back to the pack. They are coming back to the pack now, and if Cam, you know, I think they, I think they've missed the void in the last couple of years in actually going and signing some some. I know they try and pick up people's scraps, but actually signing some good players because once Cameron Smith retires, and it's either going to be next year or the year after, they're really going to struggle to get players to go down there. And I just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really worried about, um, well, I mean, like, not that I give a fuck because Melbourne and everyone, you know, apparently hates them, but um, what's what, what their team's going to look like because it's, it's bordering becoming average with two star players. It is. They're too reliant on Munster and Puppenhausen and Pappenhausen's having his first trough. He started, and he, he never came down last year. He was fantastic all the way through. He's having that first difficult spot in his career. You know, he'll come through. He's a fantastic young player. But if he's he's not firing, Munster seems to be playing a lone hand because um, their halfback, no matter who it is, isn't giving them what they need. And I, they can't just chuck it out wide and hope that Will Chambers makes a break anymore. He's just, just not there. Look, Melbourne need a halfback. And we need to get rid of our halfback. Does it make sense for Chad Townsend to go to the Storm? Absolutely, and I actually think he'll kill it down there because um, they'll they'll go Chad. You just do what you do well, which is not much, and let Munster run the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on to a game that was absolute dross on the weekend: the Gold Coast Titans eight, the Dragons twenty. 
I'll go on here. The Titans are shit. The Dragons are shit. Just not as shit as the Titans. Yeah, pretty much. This this wasn't a great game. Um, I thought Matt Dufty was fantastic again. I actually bought him in the Super Coach for a quick um, cash grab, and he out he out um outscored James Tedesco. So that's my big win of the week. Uh, I love Lomax. I can't. Yeah, he was really good. I can't believe their wingers. Uh, that Ravalawa, mate, can score a freakish try, then knock the ball on five times in a row and look like a reserve grader all within two minutes of football. Their yeah. Frizzell aside, their forward pack, you know, they were, they were pretty dominant, although, to be honest, they weren't playing a very good team as much as the Titans pretend to put in. Mate, last week I said Bryce Cartwright played really well. I take it back. He and Proctor didn't even make 100 metres between them despite 160 minutes of football. That's fucking criminal. Yeah, um, I will say this for the Titans, uh, Fodawaker is the player that they need to build their team around, and I think, honestly, the Rabbitohs signed the wrong player. If they needed to grab someone out of that Titans pack, he was the one they needed to get, because Jai Arrow, I mean, I know Jai Arrow got 150 metres this week, but for me, is the better player. Arrow makes average metres, like, he makes big yeah. metres, because none of the other players in the back row do anything... Um, but they're soft meters. It's hit up, hit up, hit up. Whereas Footawaker comes from bloody Red Hill and flies through ya. And I, that that guy is one of my favorite players to watch. I thought Jamin Jolliffe was one of their fucking incredible. He came on like a man possessed. I haven't seen that yeah. since, since. I think we beat the Mounties early on last year for the Jets, and he was fantastic. Yeah. But th- this was just this was next level. I was like, who the fuck's this guy? Then I remembered that he's part of our Premiership winning team last year. It's good to see. Yeah, I've got Jolliffe's stats here. 18 runs for 188 metres, 52 post-contact metres. He had 28 of 29 tackles. He had two tackle breaks. Uh, and he didn't give away a penalty and he didn't make an error. That is a bad oversight getting rid of him from, from our... Like, we had him in our side locked up and secured and we let him go for an opportunity because he would be great in our starting pack at the moment. He will be. To, to our credit, he, he hasn't done that before before this week. But I back him. He's a great bloke. He, he was great fun shouting the free beers on the Jets night where we were celebrating. But um, apart from those two, mate, the two middlemen for the Titans, not much. What do you make of Corey Thompson? I know he wasn't there for long. He's really average. He's just a typical Titans player. But going back to Jolliffe, his his stats aren't too bad. He's averaging 100 metres a game. Uh, His defence is up around about 93%. He he doesn't really make many bad reads. Um, He's only had two errors this year, and he hasn't given a penalty away. I I still think, you know, if you want to compare him to someone like Royce Hunt, I probably would rather have Jolliffe on the bench. But Corey Thompson, yeah, he's, he's just a typical Titans player. He's, he's, I tweeted it out. Um, shout out to Corey Thompson leaving the ninth place Tigers for the 16th place Titans. That that's his gap. He, he's a he's a bottom eight player. He's a squad filler. That's what he is. I agree. These Titans, they can find an injury seriously. Like they, oh. there are so many games where they end up with one, two, or even no one on the bench. Dead set. But that's again, like you know, so, some injuries in rugby league are just. Unlucky, you know, a, a popped ACL or um, you know a knee-on-knee clash that Teddy had in 2014 that ruptured his uh, 
uh, patella tendon in half. And then you've just got others where your heart's not in it, you take a bad hit up, you cop a shot, and you've got a concussion. Or And it just, you know, are, are there hearts in it, or are they just playing for a paycheck? I'm looking at someone like Tyron Peachy. He, when he's out there, he doesn't look like he gives a fuck about that team. Mate, he made 100 metres on the weekend sideways and about 18 forward. I yeah. I cannot think of a player who delivered so much promise early on who has delivered so little as Tyron Peachy. When he was picked for Origin, he signed for the Titans. I thought, this guy's going to just... He's on a trajectory to the top. He's going to be unstoppable. And honestly, he wouldn't make any other side in the NRL right now. No. And I remember, I remember when he left. Like we gave him his debut in the Women of League round in 2013. Luke Lewis got injured. He was a late call up, and he scored that chip and chase try that was taken off of him because uh, he pushed the Reese Robinson at the time. In the he was the Canberra fullback. He apparently pushed him in the back. Tyrone Peach went back to New South Wales Cup and absolutely murdered it and won the premiership for the Storks that year. We beat, um, when we were aligned with Melbourne, we beat Penrith in the grand final. He was untouchable. He signed for Penrith. He sort of showed some promise, and now he's just wasted his career going to the Titans. He obviously wants out of the Titans, but no one wants him at the moment. I don't blame him. He's on massive money, and he's not doing anything. He, he's got to take a huge pay cut and <laughs> take a pun on himself if he wants a career outside the ordinary. Um, speaking of that win over over the um, the Penrith Juniors a couple of years ago, um, do you remember who was the fullback against Nathan Gardner that day? For Penrith? Yeah. Was, uh, in 2013, was Nathan Gardner even the fullback? He was for us. Did he play, though? He did, and the, the opposition fullback. Who was it? It was young Matt Moylan. Oh, really? Yeah, it was. I watched the highlights the other night, and he had an absolute shocker. It was fantastic. So. I was absolutely annihilated in Coffs Harbour uh, that day. So I, I remember we won 36-8. to eight. That's pretty much all I remember from it. Yep, and it was... Avar um, <laughs> had a night out, and they absolutely bathed the uh, the right-hand side for the Panthers. I think Carwright was there too, because they were supposed to flog us. No, no, no. We, we ran away with the comp that year. No one touched us. Yeah, but um, they, they were talking about how they had built and built, and they were coming good, and they were going to flog us. And I went in thinking, you know, we'll, we'll win this. And we ended up winning quite easily. Yeah, and I, I, I remember because, like, obviously I've got a lot of family and friends who were – this is great nostalgia, by the way. We should probably do a whole podcast on that game. But <laughs> um, just before we move on, um, everyone – like, a lot of my family and friends that day were like, oh, well, you know, you, you were signed with the Storm and it was their players who did the damage. Out of the 36 points, Cronulla scored – 32 of them, and Ovar scored one try. So <laughs> we, we absolutely murdered them that day. We did. Um, Good times. Look, look, that going off on that tear gave that game the credit that it deserved because it was shit. <laughs> absolutely. Um, Tigers 36, North Queensland 20. First half, the Tigers looked absolutely sensational, Dan. Did you catch this game? I certainly did. At half time, I said to my mate who's a Tigers fan, so if you guys don't win 50 nil, you should be fuming. And he said, we won't score a point in the second half and we'll concede 20. So smart ass was exactly on Very point. Very close. I, I couldn't believe it in the second half. The Tigers came out full of rah-rah, you know. We, we don't want to let... They didn't give a shit. 36 points, damage was done. Moses and Bai had spiders on him. No one could get near him. Uh, Harry Grant is just an absolute freak. And that uh, that Tigers pack, which which I'm not a big fan of, I can't think of anyone in that pack that would would sort of make the Sharks maybe maybe twelve. Um, and he got injured, and they just fucking belted the Cowboys 
for 40 minutes. Yeah, uh, that, like, that was really not the Cowboys that you're expecting. Um, but again, it, it just shows that, you know, they've only beaten the Titans and the Bulldogs. And they, they've played some good teams around that. And they, they haven't won and they haven't been in games. And yes, they did win the second half 20-2. to two, But the Tigers didn't care. They had won that game. Yeah, pretty they much. They have won that game. They, they shut up shop and they did what they had to do to win. They still got the 13 plus. It would have been nice if they could have won by 30 because we would have jumped the Cowboys and gone into 10th, but that's okay. Um, yeah, the second half was, you know, really, well, really, really What were your thoughts on the penalty try? Um, I remember thinking it was a try at the time. I don't, yeah, I don't remember I, any like, um, controversy. Felt, felt scored and, you know, the guy came across and tried to kick the ball out and obviously made contact. He didn't make much contact with him and to the letter of the law, it was a penalty try. But I was watching the game with a West Tigers fan who was blowing up and he was like, this is the reason why I don't watch rugby league anymore. I was like, mate, you've been watching this game for 68 minutes. You're still fucking watching it. Yeah, wait, was it was it the eight-point try, do you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 I do. I, I was going to say, I don't remember a penalty try. Um, yeah, look, he kicked him in... a penalty try, you dope. No, it's an eight-point try. A penalty try uh, is... No, nah, we can no, argue no, this no, all yeah. night. You're wrong. How many conversions did he have at goal? Two. That's a potential eight-point try. Um, he kicked Cole it's felt in the head. Try. It had to be a pen, a, um, eight-point yeah. try. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't... It was it was a bizarre game. It was a really really bizarre game, and somehow off a thirteen uh, off a sixteen point loss, Jason Tamalolo was the second best player on the field. I don't get that. Yeah, well, he made big meters because no other bloke put the hand up the second half for the Cowboys to run. But he made like two hundred and twenty meters. But so what? They were thirty six points down before he did anything. The first thing he did was <laughs> drop the ball on the second fucking tackle of the game, and they never looked in it after. Like. I mean, on stats alone, yeah, he probably was worth the two points. But you tell me Mbai was a mile better. Harry Grant was better. Josh Reynolds was yep. better. Um, there's a couple of forwards. Alloy was better. Like, he wasn't in the top five or six players. But because of the stats, you got to give him the points. That's bullshit. Yeah. Uh, and shout out to me as well. I gave Kyle Felt an absolute pasting. Uh, in the first half, and he was probably the best player in the second half. Yeah, it comes out, scores two tries. Could add another couple too. So it was good fun. Yeah. This, this was um, this was the game I just wanted to skip to get to the main event, and it actually delivered yeah. on on uh, over delivered even. Yeah, uh, it was it was like it was it was a fun, entertaining game because there was just tries everywhere, but. It wasn't a game that you'd walk away and go, you know what, I'll record that and watch it later. It was like, oh, I'm glad I watched that. Now I don't ever have to watch it again. Exactly right. Moving on. Uh, Roosters 24, the Eels 10. Uh, The Roosters make it four straight games, winning by 13-plus. They are really good. They are scary good. They are scary good because when Parramatta scored to equal things up, when Mike Acevo buried James... He killed a man. Oh, my God. I was laughing so hard until I saw the replay, and I thought, oh, shit, Teddy's really hurt here, and I could only joke after he got up and walked off. But when he scored and Moses nailed that kick from the sideline, I thought, the Eels are fucking on here. And then in the next set, Luke Curie and Gordon just got score a try, and they never looked back. That That's yeah. freakishly good. Yeah, it was like... Uh, you know, Any time the Roosters looked in trouble, they could just... 
turn that gear up. But as you said, you know, they, they've just conceded. They, well, they've conceded back-to-back tries. Um, they've just lost their best player in the world. And Luke here is just like, oh, fuck it, Teddy's not here. I better do something. And he just cuts through him. Courtney goes over. They go over again. Flanagan, you know, kicks a couple of penalty goals to get the game out. Um, I will say this, though. I know they won by 13-plus. But the U.S. passed the test for mine to say that they probably are the second-best team in the competition. Absolutely agree. I think they did more in a loss here than they did in a couple of wins yeah. the last few weeks. This was yeah. um, this is the sort of game that on one or two tackles or passes, it could go the other way. And I thought the Eels were fantastic. This, this was the best game I've seen in a long time. Um, funny enough, though, the Roosters are like... 62 points and none conceded with Tedesco off the field, which I thought was yeah. quite funny. But um, Blake Ferguson, mate, what what's wrong with him? He is having an absolute nightmare of a season. He, I don't yeah. think, I think he scored what one try all year, and he, he's just yeah. he's just dropping balls and getting thrown over the sideline. What's going on? I love it. The first, the first two weeks of the competition, he looked like the best outside back in the comp. Um, and then obviously we went into to lockdown period, and he, he hasn't come back in the best form. Um, I think he is a, he's a very very classy player, and he'll turn it around. But in games like this, when you're up against the best team in the game, and you need everyone to stand up, he really didn't stand up. I thought Moses was good. I thought like in in terms of players for the Eels that you know had good games, I thought Moses was good. I thought Dylan Brown was a little bit quiet. Oh, Gutherson was outstanding, and he looked like he was shading the battle against Tedesco there until Teddy got killed. Um, but this game here was really dominated by a set of 34-year-old twins who look like they're 20. I've got Boris Boys look 23 again. They are absolutely yeah. breathing fire at the moment. It's so much fun to watch. Yeah, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still really fucking dirty at Josh Morris. And I want him to get hurt. Like, I don't want him to get injured, but I want him to get hurt. Hurt his feelings. Just so I can laugh, but <laughs> my God, he is a phenomenal footballer. And it really helps as well having Daniel Tupo on the outside of you. And then you have a look to the right of you, and you've got Boyd Cordner, and you look next to him, you've got Luke Keery. What a fucking edge he has walked into. Yeah, it's, it's the, um, they're putting on a platter for him. I think uh, I yeah. think their young players getting injured pretty much delivered them a uh, premiership centre right there. thought Reed, Reed Mahoney was good. Kicked, kicked very well. But yeah. they target him in defence, and he goes missing late on. That's the second or third week in a row he's done that. It's making 40, 50 yeah. tackles, and they don't have a number nine on the on the roster that can come in and give him any time. It's quite, yeah. um, it's, it's a little bit of a worry. Yeah, they, you know, you know the Eels reached out to James Seguiaro to see where he was at at the moment, but I don't think he'll get a clearance from the NRL. Um, they do. They definitely need a utility on the bench, and and it really hurts when you have to agree with James Hooper and Paul Kent about this, saying that the the issue with Parramatta at the moment is that utility player. They have picked up Jordan Rankin, um, but he can't play hooker. So yeah, I, I you're right. Like Reed Mahoney had a really really good game. He he kicked he he can kick the ball so well out of dummy half. Um, and his defence is quite good, but he doesn't have that consistency. And you're right, he doesn't have the 80-minute performance in him. Um, I, 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 you know, obviously, it's, it's not panic stations for the Eels. They come up against the best team in the competition, and for 60 minutes they gave him a game, but it was just a touch of class. Now, 
on Teddy, they beat without Teddy, they beat the Broncos 59-0, and then they went 16 unanswered points with him off, making it 75 points to nil. Are they better off without Tedesco, and should Tedesco go back to the Tigers? Yes, and yes, absolutely. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Great stats. And moving on to the last, the last game that we are going to review for the night. Uh, yeah, for, for tonight. The Raiders 6, Manly 14. I don't know how Manly won this game. Uh, fucking hell, everything was thrown against them and they just won. And that terrifies me for next weekend. It certainly does because they, in the second half, were the Blacktown workers and they outclassed <laughs> a side far better than us. And that definitely worries me. Curtis Sirenen made one of the greatest tackles you'll ever see laid on to wrap it up at centre. And they were talking about how much Croker was barfing him with his speed and stuff. He made one line break, and they scored no tries from it. Yeah. Like, I, I think Surinan played really well, and when you lose your superstar in Tommy Turbo, you lose your half in Dylan Walker, you lose a bloke KOs himself in the second, second set of the game... Did you see them put um, Soliola or whatever on report and he missed him by a foot? That was yeah, that was bad. I have never seen a bloke KO himself <laughs> avoiding getting KO'd by someone else. <laughs> it was incredible. Be- because he ducked from that Superman dive and smashed his head on the ground. <laughs> he did. It was so unfortunate. What you, would you make of the Campbelltown surface? Two, two major long-term injuries. Yeah, um, I don't think the surface had anything to do with Tom Turbo's hamstring, but it definitely had something to do with Dylan Walker's ankle. Um, look, I don't really care that Dylan Walker got uh, injured because he's a terrible person. Um, but uh, yeah, look, that, that Campbelltown surface, obviously it hardly gets used. Like I think the Tigers have played six games there in three years, and now that's had you know five or six games in you know, four weeks or whatever it is. So it, it hasn't been under that kind of pressure before. Um, it, it was pretty ordinary. Uh, and I think the Penrith game, the, the Penrith Tigers game has been moved to Cogra this yep. week because of that service. Cogra. So, um, um, mm. um, but with going, going back to Tom Turbo, like I would, you know, we were listening to this game in the car driving back from, from Cooler. And when Turbo got injured, I was kind of like giving it a little bit of a fist pump. And uh, Bell was like, you shouldn't say that someone got injured. I'm like, it doesn't really matter. It just brings Manly back to the pack against us. And then I remember they beat us in the finals last year without him. So <laughs> Brendan <laughs> Elliott will come in I, and score four tries. So Yeah. Uh, and I mean, we're going to get lit up by Brandon Elliott and fucking whoever else they're going to put out there. It, you know, someone said they're going to play the Monovale under-12s and probably dust us by 20. <laughs> but going back to Tom Turbo, this is the kind of thing that's stopping him from taking his game to being in that, you know, the top tier with Teddy and Cameron Smith. It's his durability. There, Like, literally, no one around him, you can't blame the surface for that because it wasn't an ankle injury. This was a muscle injury. Um, like, like Moylan, you know, you've always got to worry about Turbo's hamstrings. You're kind of hoping he was over it because he had played the opening games. This is unfortunate for him, but six weeks out, Dylan Walker six weeks out, they're still missing Moses Sully, Marty DePowers. I don't know if he's going to come back from the hand injury or not. I hope not. Um, they're missing a hell of a lot of plays. I don't know if Brad Park is going to pass a concussion test. Um, you know, we beat Manly every four years, so they might be right for the picking, Dan. Who knows? We are due. <laughs> Mate, did, yeah. you, did you see after the game Adam Fanua-Blake took a picture with Aaron Mullins cut out? 
and no, made a joke. Yeah. That that I, that's good banter, but it'd be heaps yeah. funnier if I wasn't sure that you beat the shit out of that cardboard cutout after. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Dan, I just want to say this as well. You and I have we cursed the Raiders? Because on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, we asked if the Raiders were the Premiership favourites. We both said yes. Since then, they have lost to the Knights, thirty-four to eighteen. They unconvincingly beat the Tigers, fourteen six, when they didn't deserve to win that game. And then they've beat, been beaten by fourteen man Manly with no Turbo and no Walker for over seventy minutes of the game. Um, yeah, we've cursed, we've cursed the Raiders. I couldn't be happier. We have um, the Roosters, the Premiership favourites. Uh, the Eagles are the Premiership favourites. Who else do we hate? Storm? Storm are the Premiership favourites? Yeah, Penrith. Penrith are Premiership favourites. Penrith are Premiership favourites. Oh, I like it. Fuck them all. You know? Look, everyone's the Premiership favourites except for another. Let's do this. That's it. Let's win by default. All right. Uh, let's move on to the news. We've just talked about it. Walker and Turbo out for six weeks. Manly will get some other players back. Um... But yeah, that's going to be the missing the missing link for them. I know they've got uh, Lachlan Croker, who's going to come into the six, who's played next to Cherry Evans before. Um, Brendan Elliott's probably going to go to their fullback spot. Um, unfortunately for Manly, just as they were starting to make that run up the ladder, I know they've got the Sharks, but then they've got a bit of a tougher run afterwards. I think that's going to bring them down the pack, losing those those two players. They might see themselves drop out of the top eight in, in about four weeks. Oh, absolutely. Lucky Turbo. Turbo's got an injury in him every year. He does one or two of these. Uh, he'll be back in time to get him into the finals. I, I, I yeah. don't worry. Uh, after losing 40 points to 12 to South Sydney, the New Zealand Warriors shocked the league by sacking Steve Carney. Uh, do you think that was a harsh move? Absolutely. Uh, in terms of results, probably not. But in terms of expectation this year, compared to what they've had to face and what they've done... I think sacking him is he can't even go home. He can't go back to New Zealand. There's a bloody um, he just can't travel at the moment. So he's got to sit up there with those lot um, as a coach who's been sacked when they really could have done this at the end of the year. Maybe tapped him on the shoulder and said, "Hey, look, we'll give you the rest of the year, but after that, we're going to look elsewhere." I think the timing was almost criminal because Tohu Harris has come out and said some players want to go home. The only reason they stayed is because Akani gave him a father figure and kept their mind off things. And I, I think any hope that the Warriors had of producing anything is pretty much gone now, and I wouldn't be surprised if they get absolutely belted off the park this week, purely because I don't think they care anymore. Yeah, um, I'm glad you said that, because you know the players were, were hurting, um, and they, they were all over social media going, we didn't want this. Obviously, we're, you know they're the ones that aren't performing. But let's have a look at this. Don't worry about pre-lockdown, you've got to have a look at post-lockdown. Post they've been forced to be away from their families. They're 2-2. Two and two. The games they won, they've looked good. The games they've lost, you know, they lost 26-0 to Penrith and they lost 40-12 to South Sydney. Now, there are two teams that are going to be in the top eight. The Warriors aren't going to be in the top eight. But you're absolutely right. You hit the, the nail on the head when you said, if they wanted rid of Carney, they should have said to him, you're not in our plans next year. We are going to sack you. We're not going to sack you now. We need you to get us through this until we can get back to New Zealand or until we can find another coach because they've sacked him and Todd Payton is taking over while they conduct a search for the coaches. You shouldn't just go and sack the bloke without having the backup plan because that just makes you look even stupider. It does, and Todd Payton's come out and said that he can't believe it and he's really bummed by the decision. That's not the kind of guy yeah. you want leading, a guy who's missing his mate and his mentor 
coming in. Yeah. Like Peyton will give it his all, and by by all accounts, I think he was assistant at Melbourne for a little bit. So he comes with yeah. with a decent pedigree. But talk about a baptism of fire. Hey mate, here's seventeen. You know, you know, decent but not great players. Um, missing their families, their kids, their mums, their dads, whatever, their wives, whatever. Um, good luck. I mean, well, what the fuck? Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and apparently Dean Pay is going to be sacked on Thursday, and they've reached out to Craig Bellamy and Wayne Bennett. Um, I think again they would be a bit stupid to sack. Dean Pay at the moment. He's got them in games. Obviously, they're not winning games, so they don't have a very talented roster. Um, but it should be the case of, okay, we're going to look for another coach. We'll give you till the end of the year, uh, and then we can move you on. Uh, many people are saying that Dean Pay should just walk. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I don't think sacking him's going to achieve anything. Bellamy's not coming. Uh, I don't think Bennett's going to the Bulldogs. Bennett doesn't want to rebuild. He wants to go to a place that has a premiership win inside and win it. I can't see Bellamy putting his reputation on the line to come back and coach this rabble. Dean Pay's yep. overseen this side for like three years, and he, he's yep. made like two signings, DWZ and, and someone else. I can't remember. But that's it. But he's had nothing. He's had no salary cap space. They're still paying players that are playing for other teams now. They're finally getting into a spot where they can... You know, do a little bit with recruitment. They're only a year or two off. And then they sack the bloke. I mean, unless you've got someone like Demetrio or maybe Tuvi ready to put their hand up now, it's sacking him achieves nothing as far as I'm concerned. I'm with you on that one. Again, they've reached out to two guys who aren't going to put their reputation to go into a rebuild. Like, by the time the dogs have rebuilt, Wayne Bennett's going to be in a nursing home. Um I don't think Bellamy is going to leave Melbourne for any other job apart from a top four team. Um, he may go to the Broncos because there is some talent and some money up there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I couldn't say. I, you know, if they if they were to sign Bellamy, it'd have to be for two million dollars a year, and then they're, they're just not achieving anything anyway. Absolutely, it's just this this sack the coach mentality. It do, it doesn't fix everything. I don't know. I'm just. I don't know what right. you're doing. Dan, uh, before we go on to the tips, I've got a game that I'm going to stun you with. Uh, you've had no preparation for this. It's a game called Who Would You Rather, where I'm going to compare statistics of two players, and you're going to tell me which player you want, and then Curtis I'll Scott. reveal who the players you were. Huh? I want Curtis Scott. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> so player A, both these players, and, and all the players that I'm comparing are in the same position. Player A is average. Averaging 134 metres of 10 metres per run. Uh, he's 98% tackles. Two errors in his six games with zero penalties. Player B is averaging 140 metres per game, only 9.3 metres per run. He's averaging 94% of his tackles. Has made five errors but hasn't given away any penalties. Who are you taking? Um, well, mate, player A or player B? It depends because if one's playing in a team that hasn't won any games and is putting his hand up for hard hit-ups and the other's coasting in... I know, I know you're looking for player A here because you're trying to you're trying to get me on the Curtis Scott thing. But um, oh, look, they're but they're, they're very similar. There's a few more errors in one and a couple couple meters left. But you go you go and play. These, at these a. are both forwards. These are both forwards. They're not backs. Well, you go and play at A based on statistics only. Okay, so player A is James Tarmo, mm-hmm. and we've compared him to Jesse Bromwich. Mm-hmm. 
And this year as well, on the eye test, I would take James Tamo over Jesse Bromwich as well. Uh, the next player, we're comparing some, we're comparing two other players here. Uh, one has three tries, three try assists, uh, 91% defense, zero line breaks, but eight line break assists. The other player has one try, two try assists, 83% defense, one line break, seven line break assists. Who are you going, player A or player B? Um, I like the eight line break assists. I've got to go A, mate. <laughs> Yeah, so it was eight line break assists over seven line breaks. You picked Kyle Flanagan over Mitchell Moses. Um, look, I, I love I love Kyle Flanagan. I'm not going to lie. Mitch Moses, one of my favourite players too. No loss, yeah. no loss. Okay, and here we are finally. Uh, player A, 105 meters a game, <laughs> yep. two tries, 3.5 tackle breaks, 84% defence, six errors, three penalties. Zero try assists, two line breaks, three line break assists. Yep. Player B, 113 metres, one try, three tackle breaks per game, 84% defence, seven errors, one penalty, zero try assists, one line break, one line break assist. Who you got? Oh, they're almost identical. Hmm. Uh, I'm going... Um, I'll, I'll go I'll go the second place. I've got more, um, more metres, but only by a few. Just. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Okay. Do you know who you've picked? No. You have picked Curtis Scott over BJ Lalewood. Nah, I knew it was that. I knew it was a fucking setup. <laughs> All right, look, their their stats are almost the same. Curtis Scott's yeah. been shit this year. He's been absolute ragdoll shit. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there honestly isn't much in between them. But um, you know, BJ Lalewood is the self-proclaimed best centre in the game, and the other guy is about to get sacked from Canberra. <laughs> so that was a little bit of fun. Oh, like uh, it, Moving on, let's keep. Let's tip the games. We have uh, Thursday night, an absolute crack at Penrith versus South Sydney. Uh, I think Penrith's uh, forwards will roll uh, through the South Sydney pack and their backs will capitalise. Um, but this is a battle of the halves I'm really looking forward to. Dan, I'm going to pick Penrith. Mate, Penrith for me too. I think they need to win this to really, really establish himself. And I think, mm. uh, like you said, Fisher-Harris is just a beast and I can't see anyone matching him for South. Yeah, they... they... They can't lose this game after outclassing Melbourne. They can't lose it. They have to win this game to turn around and say, we are a definite top four contender and we are going to come for the Roosters. Yep. Um, six o'clock on Friday, the Storm versus the Warriors. Uh, barring a COVID-19 outbreak in the Storm, they will win by as many as they want. Yep, definitely Storm by heaps. Yep. Um, uh 7.30 on Friday night, the Roosters versus the Dragons. The dra- uh, for mine here, I've got the Roosters will win 13-plus for the fifth straight game. Yep, absolutely. I um, uh, Roosters for me, mate, I think this will be an absolute flogging. Yeah. And I'm here uh, for it. Cowboy, uh, sorry, three. What? What's up? And I'm here for it. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah I can't wait for it either. Uh, three o'clock on Saturday afternoon, the Cowboys versus the Knights up there in Townsville. Uh, I don't care where this game's played. Newcastle are way too good for them. Newcastle, absolutely. Cowboys aren't going to have Val Holmes or Morgan back. And until they yeah. get them, they're not winning any games. Yeah, and this is the good thing about Newcastle this year. They're act- they're actually beating the pub sides. Yeah. Um, so it's good to watch Newcastle's evolution from pub side to pub side beater. Yep, love it. Uh, 5.30 on Friday. Uh, sorry, 5.30 on Saturday. I really don't care about this game. Brisbane versus the Titans. I'm hoping that the Titans will win, but I'm picking Broncos. Titans for me, mate. I think um, what's his face is back. The uh, Tyron Roberts. 
and I think he'll be the best half on the field, which is pretty embarrassing. Do you reckon they're going to drop Fogarty? Um, I feel like they will. They shouldn't because I think Fogarty's been fantastic, but I just think that's what yeah. they're going to do. Yeah, okay. And then a mouth-watering lineup on Saturday night for your Super Saturday. Uh, Parramatta versus the Raiders at Bankwest Stadium. Uh, Parramatta should have enough to beat the Raiders in this game. I agree. The, this is the game of the round, I think. Sign me the fuck up for this. Yeah, this is a, oh, I mean, our game against Manly is going to be a good game because there's just two teams that hate each other and we normally put on a good con. Like, it's normally a good show before Manly roll us over. Uh, but you're right, Parramatta versus the Raiders on paper is the matchup of the round. And the last game we're going to tip 6.30 on Sunday night. The Dogs versus the Tigers, I don't really care. Um, the Tigers will just win this for mine. I think the Dogs will fight them all the way to the end, but the Tigers have just a bit too much class. Absolutely agreed. And the Dogs are playing like five Sunday night games in a row. And honestly, they deserve it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that sums us up now. We are tipping uh, everyone the same. I, I take it we're probably both going to tip the Sharks um, to be Manly. So it's another, it's, I'm going to say this as well. I haven't got the exact numbers for every week, but there is only one tip between you and I um, going into this round. So we're both picking the same. So at the end of this round, you'll still be ahead by one tip down. Oh, no, I tip the Titans. You tip the Bronx. So I'm putting it all on the line. Oh, correct. Yes, <laughs> yeah. that is right. Trying to um, double my lead. Tomorrow night, as we said, we're plugging a very, very special guest. This is uh, It's unbelievable that you've actually got this bloke to uh, sit down and chat to us for about 40 minutes, So, because um, I wouldn't want to do it. No, absolutely. I, um, I'm very excited, <laughs> mate. And I um, and then we'll have the uh, the usual shark round on Wednesday night, so that should be fun. Yeah, I through. And, and as we said, we've dedicated the uh, hat-trick that Sione Katoa scored against the Broncos. You're going to get a hat-trick of podcasts. Um, obviously, tomorrow night just came out of the blue, but... Um, when this guy says that he wants to sit down and have a chat to us about rugby league, we're not going to say no. So um, I will see your pretty face tomorrow, Dan. Can't wait, mate. See you then.